Hey everyone, and welcome back to Stand By Go, the theater podcast out of Asheville, North Carolina. And for this episode, I have uh, somebody that I have just recently worked with a few months ago, uh, but have wanted to work with for a long time. And um, I was lucky to catch her because she is always so busy. Uh, welcome, music director extraordinaire, Sarah Fowler. Hey. Hey, John. How is everything? Everything is everything. It's good. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I always like, I try and, you know, look at like the silver lining of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and with this crazy shutdown and COVID and everything, like one of the silver linings is that I get to catch you for long enough <laughs> to do a podcast. Yeah. Because um, this doesn't always happen. You don't always get like an hour to just. No, Hang it's out and talk about theater. especially in the theater world. 9 p.m. is like you still have at least 30 minutes to an hour left of rehearsal. Yeah. Or we've just started, you know, act two. Act two. Yeah. <laughs> of, a, of a show. So yeah. thank you for being on and uh, yeah, uh, coming. To, it's I'm really excited to have I've had actors. I've had stage managers, um, but I haven't had a music director on. And you have been <laughs> on my short. You've been on my short list. Um, since I started this a while ago. So I'm glad to have gotten you. And I don't know if you know this, but other than the fact that you are music director for Wizard of Oz, mm-hmm. you and I worked together for like two weeks on a show. I was a stage manager and you were the accompanist for like two weeks for Into the Woods at UNCA. Oh, that's right. And then you were like, I'm doing four other shows. I can't do this. Yeah, that was, I hated to do that, but that was, I think that's the one time I've ever had to kind of bow out of a production. Yeah, it came yeah. up at the last minute and then just, it didn't work out. But I hated that. That's one of those shows that, that I think that was my fifth time doing that show. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you mentioned that. all about that. Weren't you also the baker? No, the baker was, the first, the baker looked a lot like me. So like, that's one thing. Right. Now, I was the stage major, but I think it was just kind of known, like once they announced it, mm-hmm. I think everybody involved just expected me to be the baker. Oh. Um, because, because I work, I wasn't a student there anymore, but I, because I worked there, I could audition. And when they announced, oh, we're doing Into the Woods and everybody freaked out, mm-hmm. uh, I was going to audition to be the baker because it's on my, on my dream role list. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was offered to stage manage it and I took it. And the first meeting I had with uh, Scott Walters, who was the director was, I was surprised to see your name because I just figured you were going to be the baker. And <laughs> when I saw Melody Galloway, like a couple weeks later, she's like, I thought you were going to be the baker. You're just and, a shoe in for that role. Oh, I just, Oh, I want to do it so bad. That's a good um, one. Yeah, it's a great show. But yeah, so we have worked together for like two weeks. And I remember you coming in and it was like, you came in to rehearsal and you just sat down and Matthew Richmond was like, all right, we're, we're playing a song. And you just started playing it. And I was just like, <laughs> how, how is she this good at this? And then I overheard you say, or maybe I even asked you and you're like, this is the fifth time I've done this. Yeah. So I know, was, I know Into the Woods really, really well. It's one of those, once you get it under your fingers, it just, you can't take it away. But it's got to be so hard. Like Sondheim has to be so difficult. It is. Sondheim is very, very difficult to play. He's kind of like Jason Robert Brown in that aspect. They're such good pianists in general that they know how to write a score. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's some good stuff though. Some really fun stuff to play. Yeah. It was, uh, I mean, I, I loved calling the show and I loved being part of the, the whole process. There were definitely times where I would, I was watching the show. I was like, I'd like to be out there doing that. <laughs> yeah, that but, can be fun. Um, but yeah, 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 it was such a good time. Um, so yeah, let's just go ahead and jump right into this. And why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and just kind of how you got into how you got into theater? I never expected to get into theater. Actually, it just kind of happened. I wasn't. I went to you know some of our productions in high school. We didn't really do musicals. Um, with our chorus every spring it was kind of like a show choir so we did clips from from movies and musicals but it, we never actually had a musical all they did were straight plays so i went to a couple of those and i remember one of the most impactful ones was look homeward angel i just i think that was my senior year of high school and that was the first straight play i really ever remember being moved by and so that kind of got me into the the world of figuring it out i mean i grew up watching the classics you know all the golden age standards my fair lady fiddler all of those so i loved them and knew them but it wasn't till college that i actually got into it i guess it was my freshman I think it, was, it was either my freshman or sophomore year of college that they announced that they were doing sound of music and that's it, it's kind of a understood favorite of, of most people. Um, I'm like, well, I want to audition. I really want to audition. I ended up getting cast as a nun. Um, it was on it, during homecoming. Oh my gosh. All these memories are flooding back. Um, but it was over homecoming weekend. And, uh, as one of my soror the sorority I was in, we, everybody could paint a building and decorate a building with a theme. And if you won, you won a cash prize for your organization. So we were at Walmart or Lowe's or somewhere with paint uh, the night before the show opened and I dropped a gallon of paint on my foot and we went to the ER because, so we were pretty sure it was broken because it swelled up to the size of a gallon of paint and I couldn't walk on it. And it was, uh, it was tragic, but they ended up making, because I had to use a cane uh, to walk. So they're, they're like, well, let's just uh, get you in some old woman makeup and you can be the old nun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. So I got everything thrown at me at once. So that was the only show that I was actually in because the next musical that we did um, at that point, I had flipped over to being from pre-med major to being a music major and flute was my, my primary instrument at the time. And I started playing the shows. So I was never actually in a show again, and that's how I kind of got into it, but it wasn't until, uh, when did we do Kiss Me Kate at ACT? 2010 or 12, one of those years. Um, that was the first time I worked in Asheville. But my first, I'm trying to think, SART was my actual first community theater production. Because um, we did Jekyll and Hyde, and so that was my first quote-unquote professional gig that I ever played and then I moved to Asheville and it just kind of happened. I really enjoyed doing it. I'm, I'm one of these people that I love to be, I, I work well under pressure. One of the reasons I was a really good bartender <laughs> and <served laughs> when I worked in the restaurant. I didn't know you were a bartender. Yeah. I we, was. May, we may need to use those skills once we can all get in the same. I am more than happy area. to uh, help uh, aid in the process. <laughs> 
But uh, no, I, so I loved working under pressure and I was good with it. Um, and I, that's why I love musical theater because I got to use all of the different styles of music that I had studied all in my life. It wasn't just classical. It wasn't just theater. Like you have to know every style when you play for musicals. Um, and so I just, I really remember just loving it and loving that I, you had to constantly stay on your toes and be ready for anything as the pianist and you know, live theater happens. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, being a stage manager, I absolutely know that. Oh, gosh, <laughs> so yeah. oh, you're so good. <laughs> so you went, did you go to Mars Hill? I did. I went to okay. Mars Hill and I ended up finishing at Western. Okay. Uh, but I did go to, I went to Mars Hill for the majority of the time. Gotcha. My sister went to Mars Hill. Oh, very good. Um, I don't know what year she was there. I don't think she was there the same time you were there. Um, so let's talk about like your history with music. So you didn't get into theater, you know, right away or like at a young age, but, uh, I assume you've been playing music for a lot longer. Yeah. In September, it'll be 31 years. I, uh, wow. I started when I was four playing the piano, but I remember, you know, singing church solos, um, they're like the kids Christmas pageants before that, but I didn't, I started taking piano when I was four. So over 30 years at this point, wow. we're getting old, John, we're getting old. <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. I was talking, I don't know where, where I was talking about this, but I, mean, I did, I was talking about like the first time I did a show mm-hmm. um, and I said, Oh, you know, I was eight. And then I went, oh, I'm 32 now. And I was like, I've been doing this for this many years. Uh, and it's just like, I don't feel like I should be old enough to have done anything for that many years. Time flies. Yeah. 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 Like the other day I was like, oh, I've been driving for over half my life. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's things like that. It's just like, or, or professional athletes that you saw come in as rookies are in the hall of fame. And you're like, oh, I've seen, you know, like Chipper Jones, like, Oh, so time favorite baseball player. And then, you know, man, that was some good stuff. I, you can never beat the the nineties Braves teams when you had Maddox and Schmaltzy and Glavin and you had all the pitchers. So good. Javi Lopez and Fred McGriff and yeah. Chipper Jones was always my favorite. Like the nickname I gave myself when I was a kid was chip with two P's (laughs) with the double P with the double P. Um, I'm sure I was, I'm sure I had the number 10 one year when I played baseball. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I was, I got to see him play a game in his last season. Oh, sweet. Yeah, you know, I've still ju- never was... been to a professional baseball game. I, I'm dying. I mean, like I, MLB professional. I'm assuming like you've MLB. been to like oh, the little. tourist. Oh yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Minor league stuff. I've been to all that, but I didn't even go to my first NFL game until like four years ago. I haven't been to one of those. Oh, it's such a good experience. <laughs> I've, o- I've only been to a professional, like top level professional baseball. And I've been to a few, uh, mostly Braves games. Um, well, I've been- the only ones that matter anyway. <laughs> I went, uh, my family went to Toronto one time and we went to a Toronto Blue Jays versus New York Yankees game. Wow. And uh, I was in like sixth grade and we had, decent seats and there were Yankee like older like Yankee fans behind us and I was hardcore rooting against them because that's what you do 
And um, <laughs> I remember my mom and my dad like leaned over and was like, don't say anything too bad. <laughs> and you were how old when they said that? To I was you? in sixth grade. Oh, and okay. they were like slightly <laughs> fearful that like, I, I don't know if they thought there was like New York gangsters behind us and like, like old school like gangsters who would do something just because I was disparaging the Yankees. But, um, but I want to go to their new ballpark, um, like SunTrust Bank. I've got a couple friends that live down there that, that go and, oh, it looks so great. Yeah. Um, I want to go to an NFL game. I, I can help you with that. I'll go to yeah. an NFL game with you. But I also want to go to like one of the big school college football, like, one of the big SEC schools. Like, what or, do you consider a big SEC school? Like, bigger than, like, the Tennessee Vols? I mean. Like, I know you're a Tennessee. I'm talking about, like, <laughs> the ones that have 100,000 plus. Oh, those. <laughs> like, like or, or, like, a Michigan. Like, I know they're not SEC, yeah, but, oh, like. I'd like to go to a Michigan game, actually. Or, or Ohio State. Just, like, when it's, like, like, you know when you watch a game and their cameras are literally shaking? Yeah. That's what I wanted. Like, I went to a school, uh, like, my college had fewer than 4,000 students and no football. So, like, I, I, so I never got to experience, you yeah. know. I mean, the only, like, college sporting events uh, of my school that I went to, I was the one that started Cheers. Like, that's how small it was. <laughs> From You can yeah. add cheerleader to your resume. I can. I can. <laughs> I, one time, I one time told, and I don't think uh, – I one time told the UNCA cheerleaders that they were doing something wrong. Oh no. Cause they were, it was what they do <laughs> is what they, is what they do at when, when we sink a three pointer um, and they were doing it at the wrong time. And so I taught them during I the game. wait for, you know, you know, Derek, mm-hmm. uh, I cannot wait for Derek to hear this podcast. Cause Derek's the cheer and dance. Coach I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It wasn't anything. It wasn't anything about that. It wasn't anything yeah. about like the predetermined stuff. Cause I don't know anything about that. But it's that like U U N U N C A. They just started it too late, um, and I jokingly was like, "Y'all are doing it wrong." And then like the next time we hit it, they all looked back at me to see if they're and then they've, <laughs> they've done it right ever since. And so well, good. They know. needed somebody to guide them on the street. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was there uh, with a friend of mine who is from can't think of off the top of my head somewhere in Europe and she was coming over for like a week and I was like you got to go to a college basketball game let's go now there's one college basketball experience that you and I would differ on um and it's okay um that That you I can't believe I have you know it may not come out in this order but I'm recording two straight Carolina fans like big time Carolina fans Listen, I told you, I warned you on Instagram when you posted that, that, that Audrey and I are, are twins. We were separated at birth. So you're going to get all the UNCA, all the band stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but one of my, like, I think my top, uh, like, bucket list for college sports is a Duke Carolina game at Cameron Indoor. Like, well, you better get on the list now. There's like, like a five or six year waiting list. I know somebody who works at UNCA who has season tickets. Oh my gosh. Um, of course, those tickets are never available, <laughs> which is understandable. I mean, I want to go to, I'll go to any game at Cameron Indoor, but like that game in particular, Duke Carolina. Well, you know, those are sacred games. I'm not going to lie. I've canceled a date before because he was not into basketball. 
and well, it was supposed to be the night of the Carolina Duke game. And so I canceled the date because I had to watch the game. I feel like that's a red flag, to be quite honest with you. It, like early it, on. We never went out again. <laughs> yeah, just just like to even say, hey, let's go to a game on this date and it be the Carolina Duke game. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's... That would be a good date. That would be a good one. Unless it was a date to watch it. Like if it was somebody who was also, who was into sports and was like, hey, I know you like this. Let's go watch it, you know, as a date. I mean, if it if gets me into a Carolina Duke game, I'll do whatever. You know, to, to some extent. I am. So when we were doing, um, you know, I told you, these are sacred events, Carolina Duke games. I don't know. Oh, when we were doing, um, we were doing nine to five at ACT that, uh, that spring, it was, you know, February, end of February, early March, um, Carolina Duke game was on one night and my drummer, John Lauder, um, we were, were huge Carolina fans. Um, and so I set my laptop up in the pit. So we watched the show. I mean, we played the show while we were watching the game. It was, nobody ever knew until they saw the pictures posted later. <laughs> that we were doing that. But I've done the same thing with, I mean, because, you know, inevitably our spring shows at ACT Tech Sunday is Long always Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Yep. And so I, Ann Garen yelled at me, I think one time until she found out that I was actually watching the Super Bowl. So she was okay with it. But yeah, big events. I've got them on, even if we're in the theater. Dedicated. Yeah. So my home theater, and I, I swear to everybody who's listening to this, I'm going to get back to the theater. But right now, <laughs> You know, one thing for those people who, who are listening or watching on YouTube who uh, may not know this, there's not a lot of theater people who also enjoy sports. No. So when you when you get to sit down with when you talk sports for just a little bit. We're the um, unicorns. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but my home, my home theater always had a show on Super Bowl Sunday. And usually they got canceled because they had so few tickets sold that – they'd be like, it, it's not worth it. So just, we'll cancel the show, go watch Super Bowl. Except for the year that they did Beauty and the Beast and all the, the kids just didn't care about the Super Bowl. So they, they came and watched the show and I was playing in the pit for it. And our drummer had, I don't know if he had a little TV or if he was just listening to it on the radio, but he had that in his ear and it would play and they had a whiteboard. And every, every time we had like a down moment, he'd write the score <laughs> and show it to us. Um, and I used to have this little, I used to have this little, like, you know, those car flags, I used to have a little Duke one. And on the night of a Duke Carolina game, I hung it off of my stand and I was playing and the ASM who was a Carolina fan knew when I'd be playing. So I couldn't do anything, but she came downstairs and stole the flag. And I was just like, I couldn't yell cause there was a mic on my base. I couldn't do anything. I was just like, <laughs> get the stink face <laughs> yeah she hit it i had to find it during intermission it wasn't a good time i'm so sorry for you i mean i applaud her heavily as a carolina fan <laughs> but uh <laughs> sorry buddy uh, yeah uh it's okay i'm used to being in the minority of being a duke fan so yeah it, was... it doesn't get any better though the longer you're on the planet either <laughs> i used to be i used to be one of those obnoxious dukes fan, duke fans though like terribly I'm uh, Audrey did say that I'm one of the best Duke fans that she knows. Cause I'm you not, are, you're, you're tolerable. I'm not super. Cause my thing is like, if we win the first game, mm -hmm. like I don't want to say anything that can be thrown back in my face the second game. Yeah. 
Right. And then after this, like if we win the first two games, I'm like, well, there's always an ACC tournament. Mm-hmm. And then like the only time I really say anything really t- typically is when Carolina loses to a really bad team. Like they did last yeah. season. For the record, All we the also have a lot to say about that. We just do it behind closed doors. As <laughs> <laughs> to maintain our school spirit. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I used to be terrible. But, you know, I'm tolerable. I worked with a Carolina fan for like two years. Um, I dated a Carolina fan for a very long time. So I've gotten used to it. Um, but I am an ABC fan, as I feel like every Duke fan should be. Whatever you need to do. To sleep. Like, do you ever root for Duke? Like, ever? I, I will never. I mean, even I live it, Even if it's for, like, ACC Pride? No. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Okay. I do it. I just can't. I was raised. I was raised better than that, John. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that. That's how I feel I mean, about that. I will, I will be honest. There is always, you know, being a huge ACC person, there is always a little bit of pride there, you know, when, it, when we get it. But still, it's Duke. Mm-hmm. It's still Duke. And do we agree on the fact that that NC State is nobody's rival? I mean, I until you brought him up, I kind of just forgot they existed. <laughs> the you only know? people, the only people who, them. the only people who think that Carolina and State are a rival are State fans, and they're wrong. So yeah, see, NC State is kind of like Fight Club, and you know, the first first rule of Fight Club is that we don't talk about Fight Club, <laughs> so we just don't talk about NC State. <laughs> The only, true, the, only, here. the only true rival that NC State has is ECU. And that's it. All right. So we're going to go get back to theater now. So oh, yes, the that was the last one. 15 minutes we were on sports. So we'll get back to theater. We needed to get that out of our systems. Though. Yeah. Because we have, I think this may be like one of the first times you and I have just sat down and talked one on one. Like it's yeah, always been a group never of been like. Able to talk about sports either. Yeah. It's always been like a group of like you, me, and Dylan, you, me, Dylan, oh, and Audrey. Um, or just in the theater, but I don't think we're with Mark and then we're not even allowed to talk sports. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to, I want to talk about being a music director. So you're the first music director, um, to be on the podcast and just for those who may not know those who haven't been in a show or just, you know, what all does it encompass to be a music director? Uh, like in terms of the, the skill set or like what actually goes into being a music director in a show? Uh, both really. Uh, well, I mean, obviously, well, I'll just start with what all it encompasses because I think it's pretty much explain what the skill set is. Um, you're anything that involves music. Obviously that's the kind of, but duh answer. Um, you're in charge of, of rehearsing the singers, um, coordinating, um, with the band and rehearsing the band. Um, and then working, blending the two together. And then you have to work closely with your creative team, um, with your director, to make sure that the blocking and then with the choreographer to make sure that the choreography is, is going to work with, uh, with the actual music. Like if it's an incredibly hard passage of music, typically speaking, you're going to want them to not be doing a whole lot of jumping. Or if it's a passage for like a soloist, that um, they're having some trouble vocally and they need to like really ground themselves. Um, I think, I think probably, I mean, I've, we have some incredible choreographers in Western North Carolina and they're all in, wonderful to work with. Um, one of the people I think does a really good job of being aware of, of vocal tendencies is Tina Pisano. 
um, she's just, she's so good to work with. Um, and so, you know, if I'm like, Hey, they need to do something low because they've got to get grounded. She's like, great, I'll put it in. Or if they don't need to do anything at all for two seconds, she's like, great, I'll, I'll fix it. So you have to know your, your singers, what they need in order to sing it. Cause it's still a musical at the end of the day, you have to be a triple threat to be in the musical, but it's still about the singing. So you have to coordinate with the director and the choreographer to make sure that, um, that your vision is the same. And, um, you know, you have to also work, talk to the costumer and make sure that things aren't too, you know, Karina is incredible at this. Um, you know, she never does anything that's going to constrict the singers. She's so good. Um, and then working with the sound guy, um, to make sure that if there are any, any cues, a lot of times, um, if there are sound cues in the script, some of them can be covered in the pit. Some of them can be, you know, need to be pre-recorded. Um, anything that involves music and sound, you kind of got to work together. Um, you're just kind of in charge of all of that. And I, I'm a lot different than some music directors, um, because I play as well. And so usually the shows that I music direct, I also play. Um, which is, and, and I, please don't take this as, as tooting my horn because I'm not that kind of person at all. But when you music direct a show and play a show, that's a completely different skill set in itself because you're trying to play your part, but you're trying to conduct the band with your head. Um, you know, there's some theaters in town that I actually am above the pit so I can have eye level like at heart I can have eye level with the actors and so I can you know nod to them if there's stuff I have to bring them in but you know if you're in the pit like at ACT where it's completely covered you don't get to do things like that but it's it can be creative at times trying to you know play your part turn a page you know give a head bob for somebody to come in it gets, it's a good time it's a lot of fun yeah I remember when um the the first show I played in the pit when I was in, when I did Beauty and the Beast, that uh, music director was playing two keyboards, conducting mm -hmm. the people on stage with his head, and conducting us with his feet, basically. Oh yeah. You know, and then every now and then he'd give right. one of these, or mm -hmm. a, or he'd reach his hand down and he'd be like, and, you yeah. Know, but yeah, it's always I've always been really impressed with music directors i always love when i can see them um like any part of them whether it's you know this much of their head or if they're on stage i love when a band is on stage oh it um, makes a huge difference when you can actually see the musicians that's one of the reasons i like the peace center and especially sitting up you know higher up because you mm. get to actually look down in there and see them it's it's great it's really exciting yeah um yeah, and don't worry, it wasn't. It didn't sound like you were tooting your own horn. You actually answered a question that I was going to bring up, which was like the difference between um, a music director who's not just, but just conducting rather than playing and conducting at the same time. Um, so one thing, and this is sort of for my own edification as an actor, uh, but what are some things that you look for as a music director in auditions? <laughs> um, I can pretty much, and we, I tell, you know, I work at Western Carolina, um, in the school of stage and screen. And so I do, you know, lectures and things, and we work with students all year long about how to audition. Um, and they're, they're great at auditioning, but as a pianist and as a music director, you can tell everything you need to know about what a person's going to be like to work with, um, about their actual character. You can tell a lot about that from how they present their music to you. 
at an audition. Because if you know you just are thrown loose pieces of paper, you know that's going to say, "Hey, I didn't take the time to uh, to care about putting this in a notebook for you." If you show up and you've got like twelve pieces of paper and you're trying to, you know, spread them out across my stand, I'm going to know everything I need to know. Or if you come in and you, you know, the opposite side of things, if you've got your notebook like you need to have and you've got everything organized and highlighted and marked with your start and thank you, all those things, um, I'm going to know that you are conscientious about your work and you care. Um, sometimes you can be wrong, obviously, you know, but for the most part, you can pretty much tell. And you can also tell a lot about a person in the way that they speak to their accompanists when they're presenting their music. And, and a lot of times directors will look at that as well. Um, so we're usually, the after you do the check-in table, we're most of the time the first people that you see when you come in. Um, so that's really important to make sure you got your act together when you come in. But I look for people who are organized and who have their, their music clearly marked. Um, and if they, you know, if they say to me, which it happens, you know, many times, well, I've, uh, I've only ever done this acapella, so I don't even know if this is in the right key. That's a cool one. That's a fun one. Or a, hey, can you transpose this for me? <laughs> I can. The answer is yes. I absolutely <laughs> can, but I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to because that also shows me that you aren't prepared because you didn't get it in the, the music in the right key. You know, and I, I sound like a negative Nancy, I know, but, um, but you can, you can tell a lot about people and how they audition and how they present, present themselves. Um, do you ever, cause so you have been there for two of my auditions, um, Wizard of Oz and the Heart Auditions. And yeah. the, uh, the question you always ask to me both times was how fast do you like what tempo do you want this do you ever get people who are like i i don't know i have no idea how fast i want this listen i have um i'm a little privileged in the fact that i've been doing music for so long so it's you know uh, i have it's a as a music director you also have to especially for community theater you have to be very humble I think because people are not going to be as familiar. It's, e it's not easy to give tempos if you're not used to doing that. It's very, very difficult. Um, so I will get people that will say, uh, just the normal tempo. How fast do you want to go? Just the normal tempo. Well, baby, I know what the tempo is, but I need you to tell me how fast you want to go. <laughs> or the, my favorite is they'll, they'll come in and they'll, They'll try to clap and I can't figure out, or they'll snap it. You never snap at an accompanist. You just never do it. But, what's, what's the best way to answer that question? Um, you just to, to take the, the part of the music that is um, the most rhythmic and sing a little bit of it. Okay. Like, um, uh, yeah, right. yeah, you just, you know, I'm trying to think, I literally cannot think of, oh, take somewhere over the rainbow. Mm -hmm just because we've done wizard, so that's on my head. The best way to do it, instead of trying to somewhere, you know, don't clap it out like that. Just sing a little bit of it. The tempo you want to go somewhere. And I'm usually going to say, okay, got it, thanks. You can sing like four notes and I'll figure out the tempo pretty fast. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's not one of those that, you know, if you're an audition accompanist, you've gone through a lot of rep in your life. You've played a lot of musical theater repertoire. So it's not that we don't know the tempo, it's just people rehearse things differently. So that's why we ask those questions. How fast do you want to go? Yeah. 
But that's in the, that's something that you oftentimes have to practice more than the actual song itself is how to give tempo. My students that I that I do vocal coachings with and on campus are we work a lot. We work a lot on that because again, it's not easy. It's tricky. Yeah. And you are one of the best pianists I've ever witnessed and got to work with. And so like when I was deciding to do the hard auditions, like the first question I asked everybody was who is the accompanist? I get that. Do you know how many times like before season auditions come up? Hey, are you playing this audition? Hey, are you playing this? Audition? Well, it puts us at ease because we know that we can do some harder stuff. Like um, I remember I saw you as you were walking into fantastic to see the fantastics. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you doing the hard auditions? And you were like, yes. And I was like, well, that, and then I told you that I was going to do the thing they tell us never to do. And that's pick yeah. a Sondheim song, which actually, uh, it, it, which I didn't end up doing, but uh, which will lead me to my next question. But it was just one of those things that like, I knew that I was able to pick whatever because I knew you'd be able to play it. I appreciate um, that. Thank you. It's a lot of years of, of hard work and a lot of years of, of, people trusting me enough to give me opportunities to help to become a better performer. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah. I remember when they made the season announcement that they were doing Wizard of Oz. First of all, I mean, the Cowardly Lion is one of those roles that I've wanted to do since I was little. Um, And then I heard that you were the music, the music director. I was like, well, I have to work with Sarah. Like it's one of those things that I've wanted to do for years. Like that wasn't just a part of my intro. It was like, I I need to work with Sarah. And so I was really excited. So when I decided not to go on the cruise ship, because there was a long time where I wasn't going to be able to do was right. Because you, I remember you saying, yeah, I got, I got hired by Royal Caribbean. And everybody who knows me and my mother are very pr- are very glad that I didn't go on that cruise ship because I would have <laughs> been on there when all this hit. And yeah. so, um, so <laughs> yeah. So um, my next question that I wrote down was like, what is some advice like when people audition? And you've given some great ones like, know your tempo, be organized, not just in a in a notebook, but like have things mm-hmm. written out. Um, but I guess more so because I, this is always the hardest thing for me when I audition for a show and that is picking a song. Oh yeah. That's a toughie. Right. Like picking a song that goes with the uh, style of the show. That's always my hardest one, but are there just some like big no nos either from a music director standpoint and a company standpoint or the directors that you know, like their standpoint? Uh, the biggest no, no when auditioning for a musical is auditioning with a song from that musical because uh, you're pigeonholing yourself into into one role and you might think that that's the role that you're perfect for but you don't know the vision of your creative team and they may see you as something else um so you don't want to you don't want to do that um i mean you have to come into a musical pretty much knowing it already um and being familiar having done the the character work figuring out okay these are the roles that i, I want to audition for so that when you do your readings you're prepared um, but knowing the style of music from the show so that you can, like you, like you mentioned, picking a song that's in the same genre, the same style. Um, another thing that you want to do is if you're a soprano, unless it's an alto role, don't audition with an alto song. You know, make sure that your, your music is going to show off what you do. You get 30 bar, 30 seconds to show us what you can do essentially sometimes not even 30 seconds you know you've got to 
a small cut, 16 bar cut, 32 bar cut. Um, or an eight bar cut like playing. it is in New York. Oh, what? Or an eight bar cut like it is in New York. Cut. Yeah, in your book, you have to, for each song, when you go into an audition, you need to have it set up where you've got an eight bar cut, a 16 and a 32. You have to have those things. You have to know them ahead of time and have rehearsed them ahead of time. Um, so you need to, you need to pick something that's going to show off your range. It's going to be the best part of the song. Um, and no, you know, picking where you start is also a, a good thing. Um, knowing how to start. This is a big one uh, that we see a lot. Um, some people will come in and, and they'll want you to play the entire, they're like, okay, if you'll play this entire eight bar intro for me, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'll give you your first note. And if you, if I, if you look at me and you look like you're about to completely freak out, I'll give you, you know, a one bar intro or something. But for the most part, you need to come in and say, Hey, here's my starting pitch. Or if you come in halfway through the measure, start at the beginning of the measure, I'll come in. Or the other option is give me my starting pitch. I'll sing the first couple notes and then you come in on the next measure. So knowing um, how to start your song is a biggie. Um, and I'll and reach out to your pianist friends and say, hey, is this marked correctly? Am I doing this right? Record yourself and then send it to them and say, is this, you know, does this work? Or just take a picture of your music. Does this work? Reach out to people if you're unsure. There's no shame in that um, and asking if something's okay. Because, you know, ultimately you want to, you, you got to leave a good impression. And when you walk into an audition room, everybody's on your side. Everybody wants you to do well even if you may not end up getting cast in the show, we still always want you to do well. Um, so, hope that answered that question. Oh, yeah, no, that's great. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm writing down notes for the next time I audition. Oh, very good. I'm I've always, I've always been... Audition session, this is what you wanted to do. <laughs> well, I've always been, I've always been, like, I guess weary is the only word I can think of, but it's, like, kind of nervous to do that, like, knowing, like, mm, how do I put this? Knowing that you're the music director for a show and then still reaching out to you before. Like, I feel like I'm doing something that other people don't have the opportunity to do. And I just feel like that's kind of cheating. Like, is it like if I know you're the music director for something saying, Hey, is this a good thing for my audition? I mean, I want to say that, you know, in, in general, I think it could be frowned upon, but in a town like we're in, like if it were a bigger city, you definitely couldn't do that. But because of, um, you know, how closely, closely everybody works here in Asheville. Um, I don't, I personally, I mean, I'm, I may be, I'm only speaking from my personal opinion. That's fine. Um, I don't mind it because I also know myself well enough to know that if you reach out to me, you're literally reaching out to me as a, as a pianist and as an accompanist and not as the music director for the show. So I can look at it through two different, two different lenses. Um, so that it doesn't, it doesn't bother me if that happens. Everybody's different though. There may, there may be some people that feel differently. But yeah. I think it's fine. Well, that's good because that's what I'm doing the next time I have an audition. Oh, well, very good. Yeah. It's like, Sarah, <laughs> what does this look like? Um, yeah. So uh, earlier you mentioned that you work at Western Carolina. Uh, so what do you, uh, like, what do you do there? Like, what is your job? So I work in two different schools. Um, all year long, I work uh, in the School of Stage and Screen as their staff accompanist, and I also do individual coaching sessions. I'm not the voice teacher, um, but I, I do coachings with the students to, to work with them on you know, how to work with an accompanist, 
um, how to make things work. And, and um, so that's what I do with them. And as part of my contract, I play all of the musicals. Um, if there are any performances, public performances, I, I play for those as well. And then in the spring, I also work in the School of Music as the vocal director for the Catamount Singers, which is, uh, it's their commercial music group. For lack of better terms, we could think of it also as a show choir, um, but it's with their commercial music program. So that's what I do at Western. Like I said, I'm in stage and screen all year long. Love it over there. Yeah, I've I've never seen a show up there. Oh, I, need, yeah. I need to. It's not. It's unreal. We there's some. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit biased, but there's some incredible talent over there, and not just the people that are on stage. The behind the scenes stuff is some great great talent out there yeah i know somebody who is applying to go there next mm -hmm. year and so if she gets in i'm obviously have to go see that but um so with working with western carolina there are some uh very famous people that you've worked with uh be through the school if i'm not wrong um so yeah. why don't you it's okay to name drop on this podcast why don't you name <laughs> name drop some people that you've worked with all right. Um, so I, the first person I ever worked with uh, at Western of a stand of a certain standard, um, it was Terrence Mann. Um, and, and, you know, he's he's actually still considered um, a distinguished professor of musical theater at Western. Um, he usually directs the spring productions. Uh, but as you know, Terrence Mann, he originated the role of the Beast. Which is top of my dream role list right now. Um, he did, you know, Cats and Les Mis and stuff, all kinds of film stuff. Um, so he's got a, a great, um, great background, obviously. But I did a master, played for a master class for him. And it got, <laughs> it got to the end of the master class. Um, he's so funny. He's such a kind person. Um, he's like, I think I'm going to sing something for them now. You think that'll be okay? And I'm like, oh, Okay. Do you have any, do you have your music with you? Because I was, I was freaked out the entire time. I'm one of those people that if you set it down in front of me, I can play it. Or if you just put a chord chart in front of me, I can make some stuff up and make it happen. But if you just want me to like pull something out of my brain and play it by memory, unless it's like the first half of Beethoven's for release that I memorized as like a seven year old, I'm not going to be able to do it. That's just not a skill set of mine. <laughs> So the entire time I'm freaking out thinking, oh no, he's going to just say, hey, let's do this in this key. And I'm going to be like, I'm out, bro. I can't, I, I can't do it. But he's like, no, I think I can handle it. And so I'm like, oh, okay. And so he just sits down at the piano and I've still got this video on my phone. And he just sits down at the piano and starts playing and singing. And it's just sitting there in awe. Cause that's also the first time that I had ever, I mean, I've grown up going to concerts and whatnot and, going to at that time I hadn't been to New York to go to any Broadway productions um, but he I just it was incredible having him sitting there with him listening to him play and seeing it was very organic it was it was great um what did I'm he also, sing what did he I, sing I don't even remember I'll have to I'll have to go back and listen to the video and if you're lucky I may even send it to you and let you listen to it as well <laughs> I would be honored oh. I got you. I got you. Um, but now I've worked with Terrence Mann uh, two springs ago. I worked with Hunter Foster. He stepped in um, and directed 
Beauty and the Beast, which wow. Terrence was supposed to have directed, but he ended up getting cast in a pilot for a show and was unable to do it. So we were very fortunate, very, very blessed to get Hunter Foster to direct that production. And, you know, Hunter Foster is inc- incredible. Yeah. And for, and for people who don't know who Hunter Foster is, Hunter Foster, who played Seymour in Little Shop yeah. and during their revival, not their most recent revival, but one of the revivals. 2003 revival is what he did. Um, and he was, was he the original lead in You're in Town? He was Bobby Strong. Yeah. On Broadway? After, I think that was kind of his breakout role was, was Bobby Strong. And then he was also Bud in Bridges of Madison County. And the funny story that I have with that is the spring that we, two, two springs ago when we were doing Beauty and the Beast and, and Hunter Foster was there, I was in rehearsals for Bridges of Madison County at Hart Theater. And so the first day that I walked into rehearsal with Hunter Foster, I wasn't even thinking that he was going to be there. So I, on the way there, when I'm, in the, when I'm involved in a musical or in the middle of rehearsals for a musical, that's all I listen to in, a, in the car is, is the, the cast recording and the different recordings so that I can really get it in my head. But I was listening to Bridges of Madison County original cast recording on my way to rehearsal. And then I walk in and they're like, oh, by the way, Hunter Foster is here today. I'm like, I was just listening to him in my car. <laughs> and I walked up to him and that's how I introduced myself. I'm like, Hey, I just listened to you in my car. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> no, I remember, uh, also, and I'm sure he hates hearing this, but the last name sounds familiar is because he is the brother of Sutton Foster, who is Gosh, you so know, my biggest theater crush ever. You haven't gotten to meet her. Have you? I have not. No, that would be, that would be a dream. Uh, my favorite, my favorite story um, fr- from you was like you were, we were at, we were at ACT, and you were just like, "Yeah, I was talking to Hunter the other day," or <laughs> Hunter, and, Hunter and I had, Hunter and I had coffee, and I thought you meant a Hunter that I knew who is now out at Parkway and does a lot of, uh, does oh, yeah, Hunter a lot Taylor. of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Hunter Taylor. That's who I thought you were talking about because I've known him. I've known him since he was like a little kid because we yeah. did shows together like when he was a kid. And that's who I thought you were talking about. I was like, oh, oh, that's cool that you know Hunter. And then like, you were just like, no, Hunter Foster. And I was just like, oh, you're on first names basis with Hunter Foster. Yeah, I remember that specifically because I was, I was actually testing out what it was like to name drop at that point because I had never really name dropped before and I just wanted to try it. <laughs> so I did. Um, oh, yeah. But that production was was incredible because the the choreographer for that show was Chrissy Whitehead and Chrissy Whitehead was a rockhead and she was also in a chorus line and she's uh, she's an incredibly beautiful dancer Um, and so I got to work with her for that as well Um, and at some point not on this podcast at some point I'll tell you um, why I'm so in love with the rockettes I've always wanted to be a rockhead I I seem to remember the the season after we closed Wizard of Oz, there was a lot of Rockette stuff on your Facebook. Oh yeah, because during, yeah. during the Christmas season. Oh yeah, they, there always is. There always is. I'm always sharing something. I just I love it. Like I said, I've always wanted to be a Rockette. Have um, you met Have you met the um, the actor? I, I won't remember his last name, but his first name is Daniel. Who he did one show at at ACT, and he was the engineer who basically created that bus that goes that like on the Rockette show 
mm-hmm. that like they dance on and it, like it's going through New York City. I'm sure you know what exactly what I'm talking about. Think, he he I was the engineer that. for that bus. That's incredible. No, yeah. I don't think I've met him. Yeah. I'll have to connect you to because he yeah, he he's a very good actor, just started like a couple of years ago and but yeah, he just dropped that on us like early on in the rehearsal process. Okay. He was in the groundling and he was just like, Yeah, I engineered the Rockettes bus. <laughs> I tell you, talented people. They're they're crazy. (laughs) So, yeah. So it sounds like that there's a lot of really like top notch, like faculty that come through Western. There is. We've um, people that you've been able to work with as well. um, Who, you know, did the prom and she was supposed to have originated the role of Miranda Priestly in Devil Wears Prada in Chicago. Okay. Obviously that's not opening yet. Um, but no, we've, we've, we're very fortunate at Western. Western is an incredible musical theater program. And I'm not saying that just because I'm on staff there. Um, they do a, a wonderful job of educating and getting people to come in and that have lived in the world and the workforce for so long and tell them what to expect. What is the, what's the audition process for or like for that program? So we, I mean, we have audition days throughout the year, but basically it's an entire day that you spend, you come in and, and you do the music audition. If you, and I'm speaking just for musical theater, the musical theater side, we do the film and the acting only auditions on the same day as well. Uh, but for musical theater, you would come in and uh, we go through the musical, the music auditions first, and then you go straight, you do your monologue as well. So music and acting at the same time. And then if you're one of the first people, you get a little bit of a break. So you're kind of lucky. If you're one of the last people, you get enough time to go change clothes before you run right into the dance audition. Um, So we see it all. We see it all at those auditions. But is the, like the process of like picking a song and walking into the room and stuff about the the exact same? Knowing how to slate, meaning knowing how to introduce yourself yourself. Uh, what you'll be singing, the monologue that you'll be doing, and then actually doing it. Same process, you talk to your accompanist when you first go in, then you slate, you present your stuff. Um, and then you, there's always a little short interview that we do with everybody afterwards. So we can really kind of test out your your stage presence, I guess, is a, one of the things to test out there. And, and just to, you know, find out who you are as a person. Um, and, you know, as much as you can in 20 seconds with, with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the process is, is the exact same as you would be doing for an audition. Yeah, I, I mean, I went to a school that didn't have auditions to get into the program. So the whole idea of auditioning for a school is very uh, not one that I'm used to, which is why I send people to you when they are interested in auditioning for schools. Well, um, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of times it's new. I mean, your high school kids are coming in and unless they've, you know, had somebody that's worked with them like in private lessons or they've had a, a musical theater teacher that, that knows what to expect, that's talked to them about it. A lot of times it's brand new for everybody. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's one, so earlier, like earlier on you talked about, you know, uh, live theater is, is crazy. Um, and it is for everybody involved, yeah. uh, you know, stage managers, of course, actors, you know, people go up on lines all the time. Actors but, completely forget the lines to can I just um, interrupt you for a second and mm-hmm. just give a major shout out to you people known as actors. I have so much respect for you. 
it's just absolutely incredible. Um, I don't know if you know this, but when we did Legally Blonde at Heart uh, back in spring of 2016, I played Vivian Kensington. Oh, I did not. So I was actually on stage for that show. And it was so weird coming from the music director perspective down underneath the stage to being on the stage and knowing and, and seeing and experiencing firsthand what all you all do moving props, moving set pieces, singing, acting, uh, knowing when to have the right costume on at the right time, <laughs> making sure you have the right shoes on. <laughs> and, being and being very thankful that Karina prints that out for you. Amen. Amen. First scene, this is what you need to be wearing. Right. But I have so much respect for you all. And, and that was an experience that I was glad to have for many reasons because it, it helped to keep me humble and to know that you all are working so hard on stage so sorry to interrupt you no you're fine and actually that that does bring up a question that um because I, I guess i didn't know that you have recently been on stage did that experience help you as a music director like from that did. it absolutely did um one of the things i teach my students um is every experience is a learning opportunity no matter if it's if you're having a positive experience or a negative experience, there's something to learn in everything. Um, so I learned that I need to find out more of what the actors are doing on stage so that I know, you know, are my expectations for them lining up. Um, I need to know, you know, what's their, what are they actually doing when they're singing this spot? Is there a reason that maybe it's not coming out the way that we've practiced when they're just standing still? Um, it, it helped me to realize what things work great when you're a music director, what things I can improve on as a music director. So it was, it was a, it was a much needed experience. Um, it was, I'm very thankful that I got to do that. Mark, Mark took a chance on me. Um, so I'm, I'm grateful. Well, yeah. I mean, anybody who's heard you sing knows that that is, uh, it, it's not like it was a reach for you to be in a musical Thank you. I do like um, felt the high notes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, because it's the same thing. I mean, I, I act because I enjoy acting, but I always try and be in at least one show a year to help my stage management. Cause I always learn is like, like mm -hmm. what would I want as a, like as an actor right now, what would mm -hmm. I want for me to do as a stage manager? Um, and it just kind of allows me to remember that, oh, this is why you do what you do, or hey, why don't you do this now? Because that's what you needed as an actor. Um, so yeah, so like things go crazy. Stage managers uh, are always backstage people, always fixing things when things go wrong. Um, <laughs> you have an actor who completely forgets the words to a song. Um, and the, the rest of the cast still jumps in the right time. <laughs> and, um, and he's the one who starts the music. So it's not like there's any music to fill the space. Yeah, buddy, I can't uh, do anything unless you, uh, you're going to sing. God, that was so, and, I felt uh, so my heart went out to you that night because was, I could just, even from under the stage on my little teeny tiny screen, I'm like, I could see and feel your energy that you were digging so deep for that. Had no idea. Oh, I started humming. I think I've told the story. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I told the story. Um, yeah, I just started humming, which is the part that got to Jerry. Um, <laughs> but it was just like, it's not the first time this happened to me either. But the last time it happened, I had, I had an intro. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I told that accompanist later, and she's like, yeah, we would have just kept vamping. She's like, I was seeing that you didn't know it, but we were ready to vamp. Oh, um, you got to be ready to vamp when you're in theater. When we did MAME at Heart, um, we're in an overture. <laughs> Literally, the show is starting. We're in the middle of the overture. The curtain got stuck halfway. And they couldn't figure it out. So I'm like, all right, let's just keep repeating, guys. Let's just keep repeating. And so we added, I mean, like three minutes worth of music. Yeah. Or what felt like three minutes. It's probably like 45 seconds. Um, but no, we've got to be ready. <laughs> but we have to, like, I don't think I can do a podcast with you without talking about what happened during five to nine. You mean nine to five? Yes, that, that the other way, nine to five. Well, with <laughs> quarantine, with, quarant- five. with quarantine, I work from nine to five sometimes. Well, there you go. Or, or, or I work from five to nine. From five sometimes. to nine. You're yeah. just all confused. <laughs> listen, listen. It is, it's the weekend right now. So yeah. I don't have to know numbers. But <laughs> what happened during nine to five, which I wasn't there for. Um, I hadn't started working at ACT yet. But I've, I've heard the story since well before then. Um, can you just explain to us what happened? I can. This is one of those things that I, you know, at some point in my life, I'll probably hope to be remembered in the musical theater world for one thing, but this is what I'll actually be remembered for, I think. And Susan Harper, the, you know, the director for ACT, she loves to tell this story, especially at fundraiser events. Um, so it was, uh, I had gotten downtown early. There, there are many layers to this story, so I'm finally going to share with you all the layers. I'd gotten down, downtown with Derek and we had decided to get down there a little bit early so that we could go to White Duck Taco and get some dinner beforehand. So we had made it from the theater parking lot to Pack Square when Ann Guerin, who's the stage manager, called me. And when you get a phone call from your stage manager 10 minutes before after call, you know something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I answered the phone. And she's like, we've got a problem. We're going to have to cancel the show. I'm like, no, what's going on? She's like, well... Uh, Myra, who was playing the Dolly Parton role, uh, Myra doesn't have a voice. She can't talk or sing, and we can't do it without her. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to, you know, cancel the show. I'm like, let's just hold there for a second, because I'm one of these people that just jumps into action. Like, if there's a problem, I'm ready. It's like that Vanilla Ice song. If there's a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Like that's that's what I. That's the the mode I jump into. And so I I spoke without thinking. Like I sometimes do. I'm like, no, it's fine. I'll sing it. You know, just kind of doing it as a, as a joke. And she's like, wait, are you serious? Can you do that? And before I knew what was happening, I'm like, yeah, we can, we can make it work. Yeah. She had already started talking to Ron and the sound guy at that point to try to get it set up. And I never got my tacos that night for the record because we had to turn right around and go back to the theater. Um, so she couldn't sing. Um, I couldn't do her lines, but she could talk enough to where she could get her lines out. Um, so we practiced it, and and I have to say, Myra is one of those people that she is a dream to work with. Myra is so mm-hmm. this I wouldn't have been able to we wouldn't have been able to pull this off if it wasn't for the work that she had the foundation she had laid because she is so consistent. Every, everything she does, she is, you know, you're, you know what to expect with Myra. She's going to be on it and it's going to be the same every time. So if she had not laid that, that framework, I wouldn't have been able to slide in. So what we did was she was going to say all of her lines and, uh, we put on the best, uh, 
lip sync performance of our lives. So Ron set up a, a microphone. I was playing that show. So he set up a microphone at my keyboard in the pit and I was still, you know, playing the show, conducting with my head. And then anytime she sang, I sang and uh, talking to some people from after that, that show, they're like, we can't, it was weird to hear your voice coming out. <laughs> and then he's standing right next to Myra and nothing be coming out of her, but her mouth was moving as fast as they could. And it was one of those where we had to announce to the audience beforehand, Hey, this is, this is what we're having to do. Um, I don't think anybody expected it to, and actually it's hilarious. Myra just, Myra just texted me. It's like she knew we were talking about it. She did. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> we announced to the audience that that's what was going to happen. But people were coming up to Susan during intermission saying, are you sure? Did you lie to us? Is that really happening? And so afterwards, you know, for curtain call, they're like, you're going on stage. Get out of that pit for curtain call. They need to see that it actually happened. So we managed to pull it off. I, in the process, made my bass guitarist cry during one of the songs he's like it's so pretty i can't believe you all just pulled that off but um my mom was playing that show actually she was playing trumpet for that show and you know she was my baby the whole time you know crying got some videos from that happening we were um, the video i have is from the song backwoods barbie um but no we did and it that was a saturday night that that happened and I halfway expected to walk in on Sunday and then say, Hey, she's not any better because you don't recover from laryngitis overnight. Mm -mm. Um, so, uh, I walked in and I walked up to her. I'm like, how you doing? She's like, well, we're doing this again, sis. <laughs> so two shows of her, her singing or her saying her lines and me singing her part and <laughs> talking to Ron, who is our sound guy for that show. Like he's the sound guy for all, all the shows at ACT. Um, he said afterwards, he's like, I, I was laughing. He's like, I was laughing because we'd be in the middle of a song. She'd be speaking in a vamp. So I'd push her, you know, her mic up and then she'd literally get through with the end of the line. I'd switch yours and you were right there. He's like, it was incredible to witness from a soundboard perspective. <laughs> it was, I had never been so nervous, I think in my entire life as doing that, but it was, it's in the record books. That I, I played second and sang show from the pit. I just wish I was there for it <laughs> or like knew you all. Um, Cause I hear that, like, that's the first time I've heard the whole story. I've always, I've always known mm -hmm. that there was a show, uh, there was a show done where you sang for the lead. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, even then I was like, what? Like from the pit? It was, it's just, it's an amazing, it's just an amazing story that I am glad I know the whole thing of. Well, um, I'm not going to lie. And Myra knows this, that uh, secretly, that's the role that I have always wanted to play. So I finally kind of sort of got to play that role because mm -hmm. the songs that, that Dolly sings, the Dolly track sings in that show are just the best songs in my opinion. And so I'd always wanted to do it. I just never expected it to happen. Quite <laughs> <like>. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I'm just going to be sending you videos all night because I've actually got video footage. Yeah. I've, I've seen, I saw one you posted on Facebook that was like a couple years ago on this date, this happened. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I did see that. And, uh, I, I will say, I always like when you're, when you're uh, music directing 
a show because there's always some type of video from the pit. <laughs> um, my favorite, and of course, I it's selfish of me, but I don't care. It's fine. My favorite is the one during uh, Wizard of Oz mm-hmm. when I said, one day, son, all of this will be yours. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and the band like did the whole... The raising of Simba. Yeah. I did joke. I did joke one time about grabbing Toto during that part. Oh my that. gosh! Well, you know what? I didn't even realize until after the show closed is that I actually have, like, from the Lion King the musical, an actual Simba doll that I could have brought and raised it up. But no, we do things like that. And there's a video of when we did Susical of us uh, having a dance party in the pit. Like that one is that one went viral. Mm-hmm. where the, the band literally came up with choreography. So they're rowing the boat with their instruments and then it's possible. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen uh, that one too. We do. We always have some good videos. You have to document it. It's really the, the actual show. Yeah, People oh, absolutely. can't see it. Yeah, I, I'm a little bummed. I didn't get much chance to do anything, like just hang around the pit for a wizard. I had like, I had that like two seconds where we ran down during the tornado Mm-hmm. And I would like wave to everybody on our on, on our run up to change. Yeah, costume. that was that was one of the moments where I couldn't breathe for the entire the entire oh, transition because that was that was one of those that I mean I'm, you probably know this but for that I was conducting while trying I played a little bit but I mostly conducted but I was also on headset counting down cues to send people on stage because for the the twister scene everything was timed out to the second. Yeah. Of when you know the exact things on stage had to happen at certain measures at certain points in the in the the music and then the video had to line up perfectly as well. That was that was intense. Is that the is that the hardest part of that show? I feel like it I is. Think, I yeah. think so for me personally, and I think probably for you know speaking for other music directors, I think that's the that's that's probably the hardest part is, is coordinating all of that. I remember the one time that I I did tech for that show. And um, that their version of Tech Sunday, that part was the long part, especially since (laughs) um, we were so myself and one other guy, we were in charge of moving the porch during the tornado. Mm -hmm. So we had a full house that came apart. And then one guy and I would like move the house around and like a like it was being whipped around by the tornado. And it was the first time we were doing it. Um, And all we hear is stop, 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 stop boom and we had run oh, into wow. the dorothy while she was in the air because we had a flying dorothy during the tornado part like a real dorothy or yeah dorothy? Oh. yeah oh my god we did peter pan adaption of the wizard of oz <laughs> yeah she was great she was fine like she was like i'm okay like i was of course uh, like i was very apologetic very sorry she's like oh. no, no no it's okay it's not your fault wow. blah, blah, blah. um yeah there were a lot of things that happened during that show like a leg nailed a munchkin on the head. Good times, good times. Good times. I always enjoyed sitting on the steps and watching you guys during my downtime. And I just watch you acting. It was very exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was also, it scared the mess out of me um, a couple times, uh, especially that day that we thought you weren't going to be there. Oh, and I'd popped up all of a sudden. It was yeah. the last performance. And you're like, I have rehearsal. And we're like, okay, well, I guess we're not going to see you again. And then towards the end, it's just, you know, out of out of my periphery, I see Sarah with her can- with her phone. Like, Take pictures. I was yeah, like, I, was, I was really glad rehearsal ended early. But I, you know, I'd never had to, to miss um, uh, for, you know, one or two shows 
for something before and I I couldn't miss the closing the closing no. show. That was just that was such a great a great cast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I just, I could, I, I think I talked about this with faith when we did our episode, I could have done that show four shows a weekend for another year. Bless you. <laughs> like, like I, I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, the thing about four weekend shows is like, I, as it should, you know, it gets stronger every weekend for me. Yeah. I, I felt like I was just getting into my, you hit your stride. Just getting to my stride, and they're like, "Okay, the show's over." And I'm like, "But that last weekend was the best I sang oh, if I were king. Yeah. Like it was the like I remember one night I hit the end of that song, and I was like, "Well, that was the best I've ever done that song." Um, but yeah, um, I would love to do like a long run, like a lot, like eight, twelve week run. I mean, I would love to do that at some point, but if I'm still a, a church music director at that point, then I want to move Saturday shows to matinees because it's exhausting not getting done with a show until 10 o'clock, 1030 and getting home. And I don't know how you are when you're winding down from a show, but it takes me at least an hour to two hours to wind down after a show. That's why I go out to eat afterwards. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> well, I also don't eat before shows, so yeah, I'm very fun. hungry, and it's it's how I decompress from after a show. Um, all right, so now we're going we're going to go to a speed round. Oh no! Just like speed round of questions. Okay. Uh, don't think about it. You can give a little bit of explanation if you need to, but okay. Um, so what is your favorite show you've ever played? Ever played? Uh, this is not going to be speedy. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I put it down speed round. It's just, it's like those typical questions that I want to ask. Oh, this is hard. You told me not to explain anything, but I have a philosophy that when I'm in the middle of a show that I make that my favorite show, mm. it's a mindset that I have to get in. So every show has been my favorite show. Um, but I think in terms of playing, probably the Adams family. Ooh. In terms of the shows I've played, just because it's fun to play the music. Oh my gosh! No, yeah, no. And the Andrew Lippa scores that and Big Fish. Of course, they were both written by Andrew Lippa, um, but his scores that lie so well under the fingers, and it's just it's entertaining to play. It's great. I enjoyed that. Enjoyed Adam's Family a lot. What show haven't you played yet, but you're just itching to play? And it could be one or two if you have a couple. Ooh. Um, do you know how many saw or how many shows are on my to-do list? I don't. That's why I'm asking. Oh my goodness. Um, uh, well, I, you know, unfortunately because of the pandemic, um, we, we were having to take a break from theater and we had to take a break from doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And that was going to be my first Andrew Lloyd Webber show. Um, and I was really looking forward to that because that's one of those that I've had with me ever since I was a kid, watching the Donny Osmond version of that and just, you know, fangirling over that. Um, so I'll probably say that I'm going to keep that on the list as one of them because I was really looking forward to playing that show. Um, and we will at some point. Um, so that's on my list. Um, oh man, I, I don't know. I really enjoy playing. This is so 
crazy to say to, if you know me, to hear me say this. Um, I would love to play Dear Evan Hansen. The music for that show, I think, is, is incredible. And the piano parts are great. Amazing, yeah. So good. Have you uh, seen that live? I have. I, it was, I think that was the first time I've ever physically blubbered. I mean, I literally caught me, and I don't cry. I'm that person that doesn't cry. But I literally caught myself at one point <laughs> out loud. The person next to me hands me a tissue, I think. <laughs> Did you see it in New York? I didn't know I saw it and it was in Greenville. Oh, okay. But you know, another show that was like that for me that I would love to do, I'll put this on my list as well, is Frozen. Those Disney shows are hard, dude. They yeah. have some hard shows to play. Yeah. But Frozen, man, you got to intermission and I, the lights came up and that was the, the solo show I saw when we were in New York. It was the last night we all did an individual date night to our own show. And I remember the lights came up for intermission. I'm like, why is my hand wet? <laughs> what is going on? And I had been sobbing through that throughout let it go, which was the closer for act one. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. So I'd also like to play, like to play that. Lots of shows on my list. Great. All all great shows. I found myself when I saw dear Evan Hansen because it was almost eye level was Mm -hmm. watching the band. Cause I was, I was front. I was for that when you saw it. I was, I was, it was in New York. Oh, you and, saw it in New York. Okay. Yeah. So I was front row mezzanine mm-hmm. uh, on the aisle. And I just, when the screens weren't, didn't have their stuff on it, you could see right through it. And I mean, I could, I can look dead at the music director or at the conductor. And it was just like, I like, I would be like, oh, John, the stuff is happening on the stage. I was like, no, I, well, I was watching them. It's very entrancing watching the musicians. Oh, I also want to do Come From Away. Yes. Really badly. Really badly. That was another one of those that everybody needs to see that, that I didn't realize. I mean, because, you know, obviously it takes place around the 9-11 attacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in high school. And you were you're only like two or three years younger than me. So you were old enough to remember it as well. But I didn't realize like the, the emotions that overcome you watching that show are emotions I haven't felt in years. It's mm. very moving, but I'd love to play that show as well. I was more of them if you don't make me stop. No, it's, it, it's fine. <laughs> I was this close to being able to shadow that show oh, on Broadway. Um, yeah. Uh, I ended up talking with their uh, production stage manager, but uh, like a bunch of their ASMs, they all had to be gone for something. So he's like, I can't have anybody else backstage. Mm. Um, but which was fine because that allowed me to then see Hamilton. So oh, nice! I mean, it's just a little little bitty show. Yeah, um, yeah. I got to I got to see it on my birthday. Um, the only thing I regret was not telling anybody that it was my birthday. Like when I was standing at the, like at the um, Dude, stage door. I don't. I don't know. I was well. Nothing. I couldn't. Light up T-shirt or something. I couldn't think because I just seen. Hamilton from the the tenth row, and it was amazing. And I, like, as soon as they were done, I jetted out the door, and I was on the rail mm-hmm. at the at the stage door, like the first person when they came out. Um, and so, and I got to see their, got to see everybody I want to see. I got to see their Hamilton. I got to see their Jefferson. Um, and the guy, their guy who played Jefferson, he was the original genie on Broadway. 
Oh, nice. And the guy who played Burr, who, who he didn't come out for stage door, but he uh, was, is Donkey in Shrek the Musical, Daniel Beaker. Oh, cool. He put his, I didn't realize he'd been on, he'd been Aaron Burr for like two years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it was just, that's the only time I can name drop anything. I haven't worked with Terrence Manor or uh, Hunter Foster, but uh, <laughs> I have pictures of them in my, in my phone. That's pretty much it. Um, so one thing I, it's just, it's an interesting question I have. Um, one thing I often say, kind of tongue in cheek, I don't necessarily mean it you know, verbatim is, is that be, being a drama major who focused in stage management mm-hmm. um, ruined how I watched musical theater or how I watched theater <laughs> um, because I don't watch it the same way that um, I feel like either a, I should, or that other people do. Um, do you find yourself watching theater in a different way? Having been a musical director in so many shows um, like listening for, for certain things or anything like that? Um, you know, I honestly can't say if it's because I've been in theater for so long or because I've been doing music for so long. Um, having the training for so long, I should say. Um, I think it's definitely, I can definitely listen to things and not be in that, you know, listen for enjoyment. But I, I think I'd be lying if I said that part of me didn't listen for certain things or listen with, with certain, certain mindset. Because, you know, again, everything is a learning opportunity. So I'm always thinking when I'm watching these shows, hey, what are they doing that I'm not doing that I could be doing better? I'm always thinking things like that. Um, but, it, but it is, you know, I try to always stay in that frame of mind. And when, when you're seeing, you know, Broadway tours or when we were on Broadway, there was absolutely no part of me that was like, oh, I would not have done that. You know, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. In growth in what they're doing. Um, I think it's easier to do it at a community, community level and, and learn, try to learn from other people. And I still do it to some extent with Broadway stuff. But I, ah, I'd be lying if I said that part of me wasn't listening with a different ear. Yeah. You have to, I think. I mean, when I see something at like a professional level, it's not so much I'm looking for or I'm like, oh, you know, they messed this up or whatever. It's just um, understanding at least a little bit of what they did to make, to create that. There's a level of appreciation there. Yeah, yeah. And just understanding of like, even if a show's like not my favorite, it's Mm -hmm. like, well, I know the thousands of hours they just spent to put this up. yeah. And so, um, so do you do private lessons? I do. You do. Do you want to, uh, talk about that? This is like free advertisement for your, for your oh, private well, lessons. I can do that. Um, I mean, right now everything is obviously online. Mm-hmm. It has been working out surprisingly well, but I do have a little, very small private studio. Um, I have a, my website is currently down for construction. Actually I'm in the cleaning process. Um, but my, I do private vocal coachings, private piano lessons, and I also um, I also offer flute lessons. Um, most of the, most of the time, I get piano and, and vocal lessons just because that's the world that I'm in all the time. Um, but people can always reach out to me um, at multiplicitymusic at gmail.com if you're interested in private lessons. And when my website gets back up, you can go to um, sarahfowlermusic.com and and that'll be that'll be there. As well. 
I know I have told, I don't know if they've actually reached out to you, but I've told a couple people who like, you need to start taking voice lessons from Sarah. It's, it's mainly, it's mainly like students I know who are like, I want to do this, this, and this. Well, go ahead and start getting voice lessons. Yeah. Um, now it's one of those things I wish I would have done when I was younger. Well, um, you know, you don't, you don't think about things like this. You don't know. Um, well, I hear so often from, from vocal students. I wish I had stuck with piano growing up. I wish I had taken, or I wish I had taken lessons. You hear from adults too. I wish mm -hmm. I had stuck with this or done this as a kid. Um, but you don't realize that a lot of times until you're, you know, at that point where <laughs> you realize that you should have. You should. Oh yeah. I quit piano like four times. Oh no. It never quit you though, John. It's still with you. <laughs> I, I can play enough to if i'm getting ready for an audition or if i you know have the role and i just need to practice before going in or, or whatnot before i get the chance to have you record the part for me or whatever um i have enough that i can plunk out on a computer on a piano or on my piano app on my phone i haven't like i know where middle c is i know i know it, but it's just we had a program an after school program at the school i went to that my mom would send me to um and then i just didn't like it and it's one of those things it was like in third grade i wish i would have known that it would have been a skill yeah. for me to have i'm gonna name drop for you again um uh -oh. so when i i went down to to orlando several years ago while i was still in, in college and worked with um, a choral director by the name of jeffrey redding who just won the grammy last year for music educator he won the Music Educator Award. One of the most incredible musicians I've I've ever met. But while I was down there and I worked with him in the in the choral setting, they down in Orlando they have an actual piano, like class that's offered as an elective. That you know, if people didn't want to do choir or band, they could do piano, and it's this entire room filled with keyboards and music, and they got piano lessons every single day. It was incredible. I mean, they, you know, they were very fortunate and they had the resources to do that. But I, I would, that's something I would love to see in every school system mm -hmm. is set up like that. Um, because it, you know, giving them that foundation is a, it was a, it was a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even just a little bit of piano that I can play, it's like, I'm so glad that I have at least this, <laughs> this skill because like I've done, I was a substitute teacher for five years back in Fayetteville and a lot of like the long-term ones were orchestra um, long-term theater jobs or long-term sub jobs were orchestra classes. Mm -hmm. So I knew where those four keys so I can tune the instruments were and yeah. um, I could play out, Oh, this is what this song is supposed to sound like. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So if you want to play piano, want to uh, give some voice lessons, want to get some flute lessons, hit up Sarah Fowler. Um, you will not go wrong. Um, also, and I, I just, I'm just, you know, doting all over you and all this stuff, but there was this, there was uh, Mark Jones who had two episodes earlier. He did a, he was doing his like TV show uh, series where he was saying the different TV show. Oh yeah. Singing the theme things. songs theme songs and you did a desk cant for one of them and i remember playing that for somebody and they were just like 
think I played it for Faith. Oh, I don't was think that she... the Golden Girls one that I did? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I listened to it like five times. I played it for Faith because I don't think Faith had ever really heard you sing. Was I was like, awesome. listen to listen to Sarah Fowler right now. And she was just like, really? I was like, yeah. That was amazing. I may have to I may have to get that video and put that on this podcast just so people can listen to it. Because I know everybody's like, wait, you keep talking about how good her voice is. Why can't we hear it? So I may have to put it out there so everybody, everybody can hear it. But it was. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's yeah, a fun. Good. I didn't originate that. I totally ripped that off from from the amazing guy that does that did that video on Facebook. So I copied him. So all of the creativity belongs to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to get Mark for that video. All right. So I'm going to ask you the same last question that I ask everybody. Right. Um, and this may have to no no. But why theater? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why theater um uh, oh man how do you answer this I, you remember like earlier in the week when you asked me if i wanted questions ahead of time you should have told me this was one of them um i don't ever tell anybody about this question oh you're a sneaky person <laughs> um you know theater the, the connections that you make is just it's incredible and it's you may, you do make a lot of friends and you work together and you learn how to work with people. Um, but the art that you create and the process along the way is just, it's incredible. One of my favorite parts of any production is during tech week when people, when the actors put the costumes on for the first time. Um, and when you, that's usually the, the night you get the band as well. So you get all of that at the same time. And, seeing the characters finally come to life and just seeing the transformation that you all make. I, I, I have so much respect for actors in that. Um, and a lot of why I do what I do is to see what you create and to see how audiences respond to that. I mean, it makes me feel good. I'm not going to lie. I enjoy theater. It, it keeps me on my toes. I, I owe a lot to it because I wouldn't be um, the accompanist and the player that I am today if I hadn't been, you know, thrown into to theater. And I say thrown in because I was launched into it. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm forever grateful. But it, it gives you an incredible foundation. It gives, it gives you confidence, the confidence that you need that sometimes you didn't even know that you had until you can actually step into a character and, and take on their persona and then that in turn helps to build you and build your character as a person as well. I just, what it does for, for us in general, I look forward to a time when we can, when we can do this again, because I think that that's what we need more than anything is, is connecting, making, making art together. And there's just a lot, I mean, it's very cliche to say, but there is a lot of magic that comes, that comes with that and a lot of beauty. I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I hope that, that people that do come to performances that maybe don't necessarily like theater or like musicals can at least leave with a different appreciation for all of the work and everything that goes into it because it's not a one person show. I mean, there are so many behind the scenes folks that are just making it happen. It's, it's just a very, it's an incredible art form. You know, Amen. at some point I'm going to come up with more answers for this because that's going to be one of those questions I think about all night. 
You're just going to send them to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there were questions that were popping up while you were giving that, that answer of like, Oh, I meant to ask this question. I meant to ask this question, but I always want this to be my last question. So, um, no, it's, and, and my thing is like, there's no wrong answer. And the reason why I don't tell people about it beforehand is because I want it to be the first thing that pops into their mind. Um, because I, and I, I said this with Audrey, um, I think we've all had time to think of the answer to that question. You know, when we're, when we're so busy, especially you being one of the busiest people that I know, we don't really get the chance to stop and really think of why we do this. Um, well, it's also that old adage of you never know what you had until it's gone. Absolutely. Yeah. What it meant to you until you don't have it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Well, it has been an honor to have you on this podcast. It's been so it's it was as fun as I was hoping it would be. Um and here actually. Same here. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, we're definitely gonna have have to have more conversations about theater, about sports. Um maybe not even in that order. (laughs) I need to come to I need to come to uh, to one of these like famous Sarah Fowler parties. Like I got a little like I got a little like taste of it. Uh, when we did our, our zoom, um, Tony party. Yeah. Uh, I've heard so much about the Tony parties and I was really excited about this year's. Um, yeah, we do lots of theme parties. I love having as a, an events planner, you know, I love doing things like that. Yeah. That's my next, that's my next career. If this whole theater thing doesn't happen is event planning. (laughs) Do it. I got you, man. Cause you know, I'm also a, a travel agent. Yeah, yeah. I have you, you've been posting a lot of stuff about that. I'm like, all right, where when am I going? When are you when are you letting me go to these places? I'm gonna take you there and I'm gonna find you a Broadway production while you're there. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, who knows? Maybe I'll have you on um on another time. Uh I I threw out an idea for another podcast with Audrey. Um, to talk, this is just us watching musical theater and talking about it. <gasps> oh, yeah. sign me up for so, that. So, uh, we'll oh. see if I want to go crazy and add another podcast onto everything I normally do when I'm busy. Let's do it. We got All this. All right. <laughs> uh, so thank you. And thank everybody for listening. Um, uh, you can always catch us on anchor, Spotify, um, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, and on YouTube. So until next time.